Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Currently, currently three-fourths of the earth's surface is water. But the new environment will be no longer as we know it. It will be no longer water-based. It will have a different climatic condition somehow. We can't explain how, but everything will be made new. John is said, then I, John saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. He said he's seeing this. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know when a bride is adorned for her husband, how pretty, how pretty she is. Beautiful dress, you know, marking down the aisle. You know, we are considered to the bride of Christ, the church. We are called the bride of Christ. But he said, this new Jerusalem is coming down from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. You know, I've done some weddings in the past where it seemed like... Uh, Everybody is looking at their bride. Nobody is paying any attention to the groom. I don't know. Uh, maybe his mother. I don't know. But um, as a bride, it's going to be beautiful. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. The tabernacle of God. That is God's house. The place where he lives. It's going to be unbroken fellowship between God and his people. We will be in his presence forever and forever and forever. Can you imagine that? So it's very important for us to stay the course right now. You don't even thinking about don't even thinking about quitting. Don't even thinking about giving up. Don't even think about turning back into the world. Don't even think about it. We are so close now to the coming of Christ and you can see all these things happening in the world. Uh, these are just signs of the times. So you don't want to lose focus now. You want to keep your eyes on that finish line because you know in the end that you're going to win. You already know that. Now, Jesus said in this world, we shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You're going to overcome, too, because Christ is walking through everything that you're going through today. You are not alone. He is right there with you and beside you. And he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He is one that will stay closer than a brother. He's not going to leave you. So let's be encouraged. You look around, you see all the negativity. And sometimes it is discouraging and sometimes it is depressing. And you ask yourself, how much longer? How much longer? No one knows the day or the hour, but we do know the seasons. The times are upon us right now. The signs of the times are here. Christ could come any moment, and we have to be ready. And if you stay ready, you haven't got to get ready. <laughs> All right. I used to hear my pastors, you know, in California, he would uh, say, Christ is coming, Christ is coming, you know. And I live in expectancy as though Christ would come any second. And I was so excited. But you hear that like you hear that 20 years or 30 years. You say, oh, Christ is coming. Christ is coming. It seems like it's not as fresh as it used to be because you've heard it so many times. But man, if, if you've ever if you ever stayed the course, now is the time to do it. Because, you know, in the end. Blessings are awaiting us. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Bless his holy name. He's got a home for you that will never pass away. And it says in verse 4, and he's going to wipe away every tear from the eyes. It probably, uh, I, said, I started reading this. I'm saying, man, there going to be tears in heaven? There'll probably be tears of joy. You know, you're going to probably be so glad to get there, you're going to probably break out in tears. But anyway, God said he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more death. Can you imagine that? These glorified bodies that we're going to get is going to live forever because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These bodies are going to be totally transformed and changed to an eternal state. These bodies here, 1 Corinthians 15, is meant for the earth. The other body we're going to get, the glorified bodies, is meant for heaven. Eternal bodies. They say these bodies we're going to get is what I've read, they have supernatural speed. They will never get old. They will never get tired. They will never get sick. He said there will be no more sorrow and no more crying. There will be no more pain. Can you imagine? No more pain. But former things have passed away. This verse should encourage all of God's people right here. I use this in funerals a lot to encourage the families uh, to let them know that there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. Think of it. Pain, no more. Crying, no more. Death, no more. All eliminated. You know, we all go through struggles in this life, hardship and pain, and nobody is immune. No one can see around the corner. I wish I could. But you live each day, one day at a time. Put your faith in Christ one day at a time. But we all go through the pain and there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of suffering in this life. But in the next life, there will be none. The only pain and the only suffering that you will ever experience is in this life. That's it. Because in the next life, there is no pain. God, you will have your glorified bodies. God will reverse the curse that entered the world, the curse that brought sin into the world. The fall that brought sin in will be totally eliminated. Being with the Lord in a new heaven, in a new earth sounds great. But it says former things are going to be passed away. You know, the first things. I wonder, I wonder sometimes how much we will be able to remember in this life. You know, you, some people say uh, you're going to remember everything. I don't know if that's so or not. But it says the former thing will be passed away. I'm sure a lot of things will be erased from our memory. Let's say you had a son or a daughter that didn't go to heaven. And you could look down and see maybe one of your family members that's not saved. You wouldn't even have happiness in heaven. You wouldn't even have joy in heaven. If you knew your wife or your son or your daughter didn't make it, you couldn't enjoy heaven. But if that's erased from your mind, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know one way or another. How much is it going to be erased from our minds? We don't know. But it says how much we're going to remember. We don't know. But it says the former things will be passed away. Isaiah 65, 17 says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. The former things of this life will not be remembered or come to mind. So how much we going to know? How much we going to remember? Don't know. 
Verse 5 said, then he, then he who sat on the throne said, that's, that's God, he's sitting on his throne. He said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. Now, God is true, and he said, and God is faithful. Even when we are faithless, God is still faithful because he cannot deny himself. Why would you be told to write these things that are true and faithful? Because what he is writing sounds so good to be true, he told John, write them down. But he said, God always speaks truth, and he's always faithful. In spite of us, he's always faithful. Verse 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. God speaks to John saying it is done. As Christ completed his redemptive work on the cross, he said it is finished. It's paid in full. I am the Alpha, he said, and the Omega is the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. I am the Alpha and the Omega. In this glorious city, this new Jerusalem, the spiritual thirst of God's people will always be satisfied. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts, he says. It is ours, it was ours, it's ours to enjoy throughout eternity. I think everyone is thirsting for God. And man, man will never be satisfied until he meets his creator. He will never be satisfied. There's an emptiness inside. Jesus said, whoever thirsts, let him come, come unto me and drink. Out of him will flow rivers. That's what he told the woman at the well, right? This water, you're going to get, well, you're going to thirst again. But the water that I'm going to give you, you will never thirst again. I think the whole world is thirsting for God. They don't know it. They're searching for something. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for joy. But they're really, they're really searching for their creator. And you will never be content until you meet your creator. Amen. The Bible says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Yes, come by by wine and milk without money and without price. He says, come and drink of the water freely. He said, this is free. Free. I hear people say, well, you don't know. You don't know until you get there. I'm, I'm, I don't know where they got that from. I hear people say, you, you can't be assured of heaven until you get there. I don't know. That's not in the Bible. P people say things. You just have to bear with them. You know, people say things, but they don't know what they're saying. They say, you can't, you can't know until you get there. But First John 5 said, this is a record I have given you, eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that has the son has life, eternal life. And he that has said not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. For a person is not a believer, the wrath of God is abiding upon that person. And God don't want, he don't want anybody to perish. But he said, come and drink of the water of life freely, freely. He said, verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There will be a relationship in heaven unlike anything we've known on earth. He said, you are an overcomer. Who is the overcomer? One who believed that Jesus is the son of God. 1 John 5, 5 said, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Well, then you are an overcomer. That's what he says. Now, everybody don't believe that. 
It's amazing when you mention Jesus' name, how much confusion. People talk about God all day long, but you mention Jesus, they want to like, whoa. You know, he's not Michael, the archangel. He's not the spirit brother of Lucifer. He's the son of God. You know, he who overcomes. If you got Christ, you got it all. It's no sense in you searching for anything else. You should be fulfilled. You should not be thirsting for anything of this world. All that's in this world is the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. And then Jesus said, this is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is chasing after things and they're trying to fill that thirst and they're thirsting again. They keep thirsting, but the water that he can give us, we don't thirst anymore. And he said, this is freely. Verse 8 said, but the cowardly, that's the people, you know, they wanted to receive Christ, but they didn't have enough, the unbeliever, they didn't have enough uh, boldness to stand up and receive Christ because they thought what other people might think of them. They coward people. They want to receive Christ. They cowardly. The people did not have the courage to stand up and to trust God. The unbelieving because they might peer pressure. Or they might be thinking about what their friends might think. But, you know, uh, you got to answer to God for yourself, don't you? But the cavalry, the unbelieving, a lot of people just don't believe it. They just don't believe it. They just don't believe the gospel. The abominable, that means the, the wicked people that practice wickedness, murderers, you know, murderers. Abortion is murder. You can't get away with that. God is going to judge that. Sexual immoral, you know, sorcery, that means drugs. Adulterers, anything, adulterers, anything that you put before God. That's, that's, you're an adulterer. That's what 1 John 5 said. My little children, keep yourself from idols. Anything that you put before God is an idol. So the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Man, this, this is awful. So everybody's not going to make it. You know, he, he told people how to do it. All these people will not be in heaven. That's why you have to take care of the sin issue down here. Because there will be no sin in heaven at all. Then verse 9 said, then one of the seven angels who had the seven Bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. This is the church. And, have it, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city. The great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. This new Jerusalem descends, he said, from heaven. But the language implies is it doesn't, it doesn't land on earth. Rather, it hovers above the earth, suspended between heaven and earth. A lot of people and a lot of Bible scholars believe this new Jerusalem come down for God from God, but it never lands on the earth. It just sits or hovers over the earth. Many believe, many believe that. Um, he says, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, uh, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. John is saying this, this is the prettiest thing and he's trying to 
He's trying to describe it. That's why he's using the word like over and over and over and over again. Having the glory of God, verse 11, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper, clear as a crystal. So beautiful, it, it was so hard for him to describe. Most scholars believe that the jasper is actually a diamond, a clear diamond. The glory of God radiates from, from this transparent city, which is clear in, as a crystal and it's clear as glass. And John is trying to explain this. Verse 12, so also he had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gate. And the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. These gates are open in all directions to all people. They will be able to have access anytime they want. We'll be in a spiritual body. He said, now the walls of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. In Bible times, walls were erected for protection. It's a reminder here in heaven, you won't need any protection. It's going to be safe and it's going to be secure. And he, verse 15, and he said, And he who taught with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. You know, he wanted to show John this how big the size was. The city is laid out of as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed. 12,000 furlongs. Its length, its breadth, its height are equal. So the length, breadth, height is equal. 12,000 furlongs is 1,500 miles square. This is what this New Jerusalem, how big it is. 1,500 miles square. It also extends, many people, many Bible scholars believe that it also extends 1,500 miles into space or in the air. If you can imagine, they say it could literally hold every person in the world and billions and billions and billions more. That's how big it is. It say it's more than two-thirds the size of the United States. I don't know where they got that, but we know it's huge. It's a perfect cube. It's a symbol of perfection. So you got this city 1,500 miles north, south, east, west, and many say it's 1,500 miles high, but you know it's going to be enough to hold everybody. There's room for everybody in this new Jerusalem. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to be there, but there's room for you. And if you're not there, it's not God's fault. He told you how to get there. You could be there. You don't want to miss this. Then he measured its walls, 140 cubits, according to the measure of a man that is an angel. That is 72 yards or 216 feet. The walls extended around the city. The construction of his walls was jasper, like a diamond. And the city was pure gold, he says, like glass. To John said this thing was so transparent, it, it, he said it looks like clear glass. The city, brilliance, like a diamond. It was transparent, you see, like gold. John is trying to describe this like it's so breathtaking. He's trying to describe the beauty of it. It's almost like you'd have to see this to believe it. This is a colorful city, 
beauty upon beauty upon beauty, taken beyond the imagination. It took John's breath away, and John is trying to describe it. He said, the foundation of the walls of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stone, verse 19. All kinds of precious stone. You check this out. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, which is blue, chaldedoni, uh, greenish blue, and the fourth emerald, which is green, the fifth sonyx, red, six sardis, fiery red and brownish, chrysolite, uh, yellow, and the emerald, I mean, the, the beryl is sea green, topaz, greenish yellow, all these colors, Janet, uh, red, amethyst, purple. So you got this city with all these colors, and you got the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God shining through all these beautiful colors of this city. John couldn't describe how beautiful it was. I've seen, I've seen pictures of people said how, what heaven looks like, but I don't think anything, I don't think anybody really knows. I think it's going to be beyond that anything you can even imagine. Yeah. See, God don't have to do anything. You know, he, it, this is going to be a perfect place. This is going to be a perfect place. And that's where you're going to spend eternity. This is, this is your future. And this is what awakes you right now. It's waiting on us to show up. It's already been prepared for us. Verse 22 said, then I saw no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. On earth, God, God always had a dwelling place, a temple or a tabernacle where man could come and worship and commune with him. But such a place in heaven is not needed. It is the Lord himself will be the temple it will, you, in the eternal state. You don't need a temple like here. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is his light. The very presence of God is going to just light everything up just by his presence. Imagine the scene when the light of the glory of the city, the Lord Jesus Christ, he shines through all those brilliant stones, those brilliant diamonds, all those colors. It's going to be something to behold. I mean, I've seen pretty rainbows in my life. I thought they were pretty. But this is going to be beyond anything we can even imagine. In the eternal city, Christ in all of his radiant splendor and glory shines forth so magnificently. Darkness becomes impossible. No wonder there will be no more night there. His presence is enough. It's going to light everything up just by him being there. Boy, that's going to be something. That's what I look forward to. Don't you look forward to when you When you read this, it gives you hope and encouragement. When you know you're going to be there to see this. Beautiful colors and the nation of, the, of those who are saved shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor to it. The kings and honors all over the world is going to give God glory. Its gates shall not be shut, verse 25, at all by day. There shall be no more night there. No more night. It's going to be day all the time. Gates won't be shut. 
You be free to come and go as you will. The gates never close or locked. The gates were closed in the Old Testament, you know, for security reasons. But there's no reason for security in heaven. You will be secure. You will be safe. You will be free from danger. You can come and go as you please. The gates are always open. You will be safe. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, but there shall be no means, by no means, enter it anything that's defiled, you know, polluted, causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb Book of Life. So everybody's not going to get in there. He said, the defiles cause an abomination lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb Book of Life. Nothing will pollute this city. That means that all sin is banished forever and never will return again. Not everyone is going to be allowed to enter this new Jerusalem. Only those who are written in the Lamb Book of Life. The question is, is your name in that book? That is the, that is the question because the Bible said the books will be open. And another book will be opened, and the people's name who are not found in that book will be thrown into the lake, to the lake of fire. So you want to make sure that your name is in the book. Well, how do you get your name in the book? You got to receive Christ, man. He paid it all for you. He says free. All you got to do is receive it, ask him to come into your life, forgive your sins. But you don't want this. This is going to be so pretty. You, you don't want to miss this. And a lot of people are going to miss it. Jesus said, he who overcomes with thus be clothed in white garments, Revelation 3, 5, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angel. God is saying, be sure, be sure, this is also a message to you. Be sure your name is written in the book of life. How tragic it would be if the books was open and your name is not there. Can you imagine? The Bible said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. People are going to just break out in tears, man, because you knew you could have got, you knew you could have been there. You knew you could have had all the beauty and all the blessings and eternal life and forgiveness of sin and glorified bodies and live with God forever and ever where there's no more death, pain, sorrow, or suffering. And you said no to the gospel. That's, that's tragic. You have condemned yourself. You can't do that. You got to make sure. But what it speaks to me that, you know, uh, I take my focus off of earthly things. And I'm aware of all these problems in this world, but I don't focus on them. My focus is on eternal things. One day we shall be caught up. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air to meet the Lord forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is your hope. Amen. Your hope is not the president, man. Your hope is not this world. This is not your home. You're, not pa you're, just, you're just passing through. Amen. Take your focus off the earth. I know we got to live here until he show, and I know we got to work, and I know we got to occupy until he comes. I know that. You know, you had a group a while back, years ago, they thought Jesus was going to come, and they, they all sold their homes. They sold all their property, and they went to Mount Rainier and just camped out. Uh, Jesus didn't come. And, and they were very disappointed. So it's very, it's very dangerous to try to pinpoint the day or the hour because you don't know. But just live in the expectancy that he could come today. You know, 
This is our eternal home. We should set our hearts on things above. We should be heavenly minded. This is a a tremendous encouragement for you this morning. When we are with God, our sins forgiven, our future will be secure. We will be like Christ. We were made perfect like him. Beloved, now we are children of God right now. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know when he reveals, when he comes, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. Everyone that has his, this hope will purify himself even as he is pure. For, for Christ, for Christ whose our life shall appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. Only the redeemed will be allowed to enter this city. The question, will you be there? We sing old song way back in Tennessee. It says, when the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? Oh, the roll's going to be called. I've made my reservations. I know I'm going to be there. Way ahead of time. You know, there's only one way. And I don't know why people get this so confused. There's only one way you can be saved. Acts 4.12 said, Neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Do you think you're going to get to heaven because of your background or because of your denomination or because of your personality or because of your behavior? No, eternal life is available only in Christ, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Trust him today. Secure your citizenship. Make sure you're going to go. No unbelievers will be there. They could have been there. They They rejected the only way. They rejected the gospel. That is not God's fault. That is not God's fault. God has given everyone free will to choose. So we are to live right now in the expectancy of Christ's return. We are to stay ready. The world considers Christians as losers. But it's the unbeliever who's a loser. He just don't know it yet. It's the unbeliever who's a loser. It's going to be a sad day. It's going to be a sad day for them. When you could have had it all. You could have had it all and just left it. You said no to the gospel. You said no to Christ. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live the way I want to live. And nobody's going to tell me what to do and how to do it. You can do that if you want. But you will be sorry. That's why the Bible says, whenever you hear the word of God, harden not your heart because today, today is the day of salvation. Well, I was watching the news last week. I don't know if you guys watched the news last week about that condominium collapse down there in Florida and all those people got killed. No one expected that. Those people went on vacations, a lot of them, and, and um, a lot of them perished just, just like that. The uh, Bible said death is, is only a, a breath away. You just don't know. But if you got Christ, you don't have to worry about that. You're not going no place until Christ says so. You know that? You're not going to leave this earth until the Lord says so. I don't care what the doctors say. You're not going until Jesus says so. And if Jesus wants you home, 
you're coming home. And if Jesus doesn't want you home, you're going to stay until he wants you to come home. But nobody can tell you uh, that you can't be saved. Nobody can tell you that. I've known people who said that they've gone to Vietnam. Not even a scratch. Not even a scratch. Bullets flying all across I've talked to guys right here in this church, men dodging bullets like crazy in Vietnam and come back home and walk across the street and get hit by a car and boom, done. You're not going to leave this earth until God says so. Your life is in his hands. So we have to trust him. And I don't know uh, what, what awaits us. It seems like the persecution now is against the churches. The persecution now is against the word of God. Uh, I, I, think, I think the world is getting more and more uh, wicked all the time. I don't, see, I don't see it changing. I don't see it changing. I see it getting worse. Because most people say they're going to be the captain of their own ships. And no one's going to tell them what to do. They can do whatever they want. But Jesus said, one day you will have to face him. And I pray if anyone here today that has not received Christ, that they would invite Christ to come into their lives today. You can have all this just free. Free of charge. But you have to admit that you are a sinner, which we all are. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one perfect person in the world. And God is willing to forgive everything you've ever done and give you a name and give you a home in heaven. Man, you can have this. Are you willing to receive it today? Would you ask Christ to come into your life? Just say this little prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died and rose again on the third day. And I believe, Lord, that you are the Savior of the world. If you would, would you please just save my soul. You know he's never turned down anybody. Jesus said, all the Father has given me shall come to me, and he that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He's never said no to no rep uh, repentant sinner, ever. And your name can be in the book. Father, we're so thankful that we do have eternal life. We do thank you, Lord, that we do have hope. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus paid it all. And all to him we owe. We thank you, Lord, that this is, Heaven awaits us. Blessings awaits us. Just give us strength every day just to live here in this life. We're going to need your strength and your help in these last days. So I pray you will strengthen each person in this room, whatever they're going through. If there's anyone here have not received Christ, everyone here is a believer. You've received Christ and you have eternal life. If you have not, now is your time. Anyone here before we close? Lord, we thank you that we are all believers. And we pray, Lord, that you would just encourage each one's heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.